This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. Who <laughs> jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. with Robinson who spins and then tries to bounce it, a stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance, they're going to say he stepped out, but I'm Felix Sharp, I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name, one, Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson. He's going to uncork for the end zone, wow. and he drops it in beautifully, and it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic time on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, the field on the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus, 51 yards. Vernon, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's gonna be rated higher. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone with a first-round draft grade. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusCan.com. That's Matt Burning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley is here, and I'm Felix Sharp on an unprofessional version of tonight's show. What to do with Russell Wilson? We discuss college buys and sells, and Kayshawn Boutte is going back to school, unless he isn't. But we start with Tua Tagovailoa. According to Mike McDaniel, Tagovailoa suffered officially his second concussion on the season, but everyone remembers that scary scene of Tua on the ground against the Bengals this year. And I say officially second because by all accounts, he uh, suffered the concussion four days earlier against the Bills on September 25th. Matt Bruning, it would seem unlikely that we see Tua Tunga Villaloa for the remainder of this season, and that is a playoff-bound Dolphins team. What has your reaction been to this news about Tua's third concussion on the season? I mean, my first thoughts just go to him as a player and a person, as someone who's dealt with concussions. Uh, I mean, just going from the personal side of things, my sister was a great college goalkeeper for Texas A&M and could not play anymore because she suffered six concussions just by getting kicked in the head, diving for balls and everything. But that was over like years span and was told that like one more knock to the head could effectively make you a, a vegetable. And now we're talking about a guy who's had three concussions in two months, two months. And it, it scares me and worries me for him and the fact that obviously football is a violent sport and every play in, in somewhat is 
a hard hit or play, but it was not necessarily like a really hard hit on Tua that forced his head into the ground. He just had his legs wrapped up and he fell. And his head hit the turf and he ends up with a concussion. There are serious talks now about like what his future may be. And, and I wonder if it would not be better for him too. As, as bad as I feel as saying this, as someone who is has been competitive my whole life and not even at the stage that he is and knowing how much of a competitor he is, to, st- to to walk away from football. I mean, dude overcame an, a hip injury that many thought he would not be able to then go on to the NFL and play, and now three concussions in two months. I feel like he could easily t- walk off the field and get a job in the media, and while he wouldn't make NFL money, he's going to make really good money and live a very happy, healthy life where he is not necessarily, at least we would hope, have to worry about future injury to his brain. So what I hope he does, I don't think that's going to happen because you just mentioned we're probably done seeing him for the year. No, we were told he's just going to be out this week right now. Like they're not even saying he's done for the year after already suffering, as I just mentioned, and you've mentioned third concussion in two months. Like I, I really hope that his family and him get involved in this decision and take a serious look at this and don't just say, hey, get back on the field because that's what the Dolphins want. Because I feel the Dolphins have completely mishandled this entire situation. You go back to earlier this year where they had to fire their doctor for mishandling this, and then they hired extra people. I believe the NFL did this, and you guys can correct me on this. The NFL hired people to pay better attention to the games, to watch for that stuff, and then you tell me that he hits his head like that, and they said that they thought there was something wrong with him and nothing warned you that he may have another concussion in that game. Was it because you were fighting for your playoff spot still? Because that's kind of what we were told earlier with that Buffalo game. And I really hope he takes a step back, does something. And, and I'm, I'm very as any kind of legal options. If say he does not, he's not able to get another contract after this because teams are worried about what his head or brain injuries may be moving forward. If he has any legal options with what has happened with him, unfortunately. And in my opinion, the very badly mishandled way the Miami Dolphins have, have handled these concussions for him. Austin, I want to turn this to you. Actually, before I ask you that question, uh, Tua Villaloa leads the NFL in passer rating. He's third in QBR, leads the NFL in yards per attempt at 8.9, seventh in TD passes. That's after missing two games, leaving the third uh, halfway through that, that Bengals game, and then playing through two others with concussions. He's 10th in passing yards. Austin, let's say you have Tua Villaloa in Dynasty. You have him in C2C. Being sensitive to the humanity of this story, recognizing that. But what are you doing, if anything, with him if you have him rostered somewhere? I think he has to be a hold. I, I don't think you can sell him right now. I think there's too many people um, running with these rumors that, that you know maybe he could retire. For what it's worth, we heard it from a source, a source that I generally wouldn't uh, trust with anything. Um, so I'm taking this with a grain of salt. Um I, I think you have to hold him. What are, what are you going to get for Tua? I mean, I, I've heard some people discussing just trying to jump to dump him for anything. Um, I, I, I mean, like you, you just listen. He's tenth in passing yards. He missed, you know, four games essentially. He's he's seventh in touchdown passes. Like you're not just going to find another guy like that to replace him. And I, I certainly don't think I, he's going to retire based on this. I mean, we saw him come back for that hip injury. I know a, a brain and a hip are very, very different, but he seems like the kind of guy that like. He just wants to fight back no matter what. I, I think he will play again. I do hope that it's not this season, but I, 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 I'm holding. I, I'm probably not buying because I'm just not trying to like take on more risk. 
but I, I don't know that you can get equal value for what he is right now. You know, this Dolphins team is really built to win now. The way they've surrounded Tua Tungavialoa on the offensive line, the, uh, obviously the skill positions players that they drafted. I can't think that they're just going to fold up the tent if Tua does hypothetically retire, hypothetically if he doesn't play for the rest of this season. So now I'm thinking, what if if the Dolphins plan to move on or have to move on from Tua Tungvaloa, are there some rookie quarterbacks that could play into their draft plans? Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Jaron Hall, Jake Hayner, Hendon Hooker. I think Hendon Hooker could be a fit there. But I think it's going to be noteworthy if that is a landing spot because it is a prime if, – if you didn't like Will Levis, but he lands in Miami – I think I like him a little bit more than what I liked in college. I mean, that's it is a it is a prime landing spot with their with their head coach, their offensive philosophy, and the skill position players. You could see a rookie, maybe not even taking in the first round. And I, off the top of my head, I don't know if the Dolphins they, have a first round draft. That's what I was going to say. They can't. They don't. They traded it to to. Um, they had to, two. Yeah, and they had one taken away, forfeited. And then, yeah, and then they the traded the other thing. one away in a bad trade. Yeah. Fine. Then yeah, let's so look they, at the second round draft picks. You look at Hendon Hooker. You look at Jaron Hall. Those guys. You could potentially see one of those guys starting next year for Miami if Tua Tungalivialo is not going to be there. You surround that type of player or any type of player with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall and McDill calling the offensive scheme. That player is probably going to see a spike in value. Chris Moxley, do you agree or disagree that, you know, this is probably a landing spot that we should continue to monitor moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mike McDaniels, yeah, he's like a, he's a scheme demon. Like, I don't know what else to call him. He just can put players in a position to succeed like very few other coaches can. He has designed this offense perfectly with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle maximizing their skill set, getting them open, getting them on the run when they're catching so they can maximize their yak skills. I don't think it takes a, like, I've always been skeptical of Tua at the NFL level. I just don't think he's shown it, but he, he looked really good this year. And I think a lot of that is McDaniel. So put someone else here and I don't know how massive the drop off is going to be. What about Derek Carr? Let's, well, just, let's just throw out Derek yeah. Carr. I mean, he he's certainly on his way out of Oakland. I think that he what? wouldn't be a bad fit in Las this offense. Vegas. Or, yeah, sorry, Las Vegas. The Raiders, whatever. I I think there's a better shot that they go the veteran route than a rookie. I do, too. That, you mean, you talked about how they're ready to win now based on just everything you hear from NFL general managers, just NFL people in general. They are not trusting a rookie to win them games or, or do they? I think they're 100% going the, the veteran route, whether it's Derek Carr, as Moxie mentioned, Jimmy Garoppolo will be a free agent. Jimmy G is such a good fit too for the system. Yeah. Well, really I mean, is. of course he would because he yeah, has a history right. with yeah. Mike McDaniel. Yeah. So I mean, he I, would be a perfect fit there. I, I think there's a realistic shot that Daniel Jones is going to be a free agent next year because oh. I, Giants can't pay him and Saquon. Bar hey, say what you want. He's played a lot better under an actual competent offensive coordinator and head coach in Dayball, and I can't remember top of my head who calls plays for for the Giants now, but he's been better. Like that, and I, I trust McDaniel to be able to do something with him if he were to go down to Miami. Like, there's going to be a lot of options available for him if they choose to go that route. 
Austin, Mox just alluded to it. Are we putting Mike McDaniel up there with, say, Kyle Shanahan as a coach that you should have his QB rostered, even if it's not a top-tier prospect? Are we putting Mike McDaniel all in the same era as you know Andy Reid or Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan? Oh, uh, super flex. So, I mean, you should probably have all quarterbacks rostered. But, yeah, I think so. Oh, I, thanks really, thanks really for going out on a limb there. I mean, they've even made Teddy Bridgewater look okay at times this year. They haven't necessarily won games with him in there, but I think that's been more, you know, Teddy than than uh, the opportunities that they've had there. So, and, and they've got a lot of skill guys. I mean, we've just talked about they, they've got Tyreek, they've got Jalen Waddle, they've got no star running back, but a lot of uh, a pretty decent ones that can kind of uh, mix and match depending on what y- your opponent is and what the situation is. So, yeah, I mean, I think any quarterback that goes, I would love Jimmy to go there. That feels just like a natural uh, uh, spot all around for him. And I would, that would, that would. I think it'd be great for the Dolphins. I think it'd be great for him. I think it would be great for Waddle and for Tyreek, who are really the two guys I care about there. I, I think it would be great for all parties involved. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has said he wants to go play in Miami, so maybe we see Aaron Rodgers. Has he for real? He said that after their win on, was it Christmas Day? After Miami won their yeah. game, someone asked him a question. He said, yeah, I'd love to go play in Miami. Those are his actual – that's his actual <laughs> after a Green Bay Packers win to keep him in the playoff race. They, they, also, offered, they also offered a second for Brady in the offseason. Like this, like, this is a team that is certainly interested in a veteran presence, which also tells me that they're still not sold on Tua. I, I, but th- – that is a discussion for a different podcast to cover, probably. Well, Tua's contract is so cheap right now. I mean, he's still on a yeah, rookie yeah. deal that, realistically, I mean, you can go sign one of these guys and then hope that he's okay or whatever. Yeah, and if he's not, good. then you've got another another option without really costing you too much. Not like he's eating $25 million on the cap next year. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think what Austin mentioned, I don't know that we're, we should put McDaniel up there, though I wouldn't argue against it. I think he's incredibly smart coach, and I think he's one of the better ones. He's shown he's already one of the better ones, and just hearing Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, all those guys from that tree talk about how smart he's. Matt LaFleur as well with uh, with the Packers, who talked a little bit about that after their game uh, this weekend. It's more the weapons. I mean, I think you could put anybody in there, and if you scheme the ball to Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, you're 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 getting yourself fantasy points on the yak that they get you alone, and the touchdown. So they're going to get you points regardless. I think just because of the weapons around the quarterback. I actually don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a bad. Well, they've also either. got Skylar Thompson there, and Skylar Thompson. Say what you want about him, he does have dual threat ability. Yeah, he didn't. He, he started one game already this season. He's a rookie, seventh round draft pick, or whenever he was drafted. I wouldn't write off Skylar Thompson. That's all I'm going to say. Who is Matt Waldman's uh, top quarterback? So um, from one struggling quarterback, uh, one qu- quarterback struggling with his health to another struggling on the field earlier this week, the Broncos fired head coach Nathaniel Hackett. The Broncos are dead last in the NFL in points per game. Russell Wilson is second to last in completion percentage. He's only ahead of Zach Wilson in that category. Uh, the Broncos were four, four and eleven, and do not have a first in twenty twenty three. In twenty twenty three, Russell Wilson is going to receive an eight million dollar base salary, a ten million dollar signing bonus. He will be a one hundred and seven million dollar dead cap hit in twenty twenty three in the second of a seven year deal. Chris Moxley, I'm assigning you this task. As what the heck do you do with Russell Wilson if you're the Denver Broncos? You got to hire a co- an, obviously a new coach, and it has to be an offensive mind. Like that's your only shot, I think, at trying to uh, 
get out of this unscathed. You just can't, you, you cannot move on from Russell Wilson. It, it, it is prohibitive to do so from a money perspective. It's not an option, which means that the next coach that you hire is someone who has to rebuild him. I don't even, I, I honestly don't even know. I don't think it's an attractive job at, at, at all. I don't think you're going to get a good coach in there. So I think that it might just be three or four years of nothingness, but that is what you do. You, If you're the Denver Broncos, you hire a coach that is willing to try to rebuild him into what we saw in Seattle. And I, I don't know that he's ever going to get back there. I, It's just been so bad this year that I, you're not getting a good coach to take this job for what it's worth. Well, so. it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned Seattle because the rumors are they're trying to bring back Daryl Bevel. Oh God, that's know, even that's, worse. I agree. But that's, that's the rumors. I mean, well, it makes sense because Daryl Bevel was there in Seattle with Russell Wilson. If you're going to, you have to win with Russell Wilson. I think you have to treat him almost like a Wisconsin yeah. quarterback. And it has to be a heavy run scheme with play action. You're talking about two tight ends, full back in there. You have to change the way they play. Russell can no longer cook. This has to be a, a team that wins on play action. Maybe he could reestablish the deep ball. He should. They've got weapons there that could win deep, especially if you're going to draw eight into the box. So that's how I would approach it. We're going to establish uh, Javante Williams and get this running game going. They need to be running on first, second, and third down. Again, treating it like it's a Big Ten matchup, and maybe we can revive Russell Wilson's career if we take a run-heavy approach. And so if you're going to bring Daryl Bell as offensive coordinator or head coach, I'd make him the offensive I, coordinator. But that makes say. sense to me. That makes sense to me. I, I mean, mean, I I, I was going to say, so the defense is not the issue in Denver, right? No. Yeah, like, they were at all. Like Evero, who is their defense coordinator, is – yeah. Yeah, he's one of the guys that are probably in contention for their job, like this head coaching job. It's it's not a bad – it's it's basically the Pete Carroll strategy in Seattle. That's which, what I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, Pete, listen, we give a lot of crap to Pete Carroll, and he probably deserves it a lot of the time. But Pete Carroll probably knew Russell Wilson was a little bit cooked before anybody else knew Russell Wilson was cooked. So – Maybe the Pete Carroll strategy isn't so bad looking. Do you question uh, now whether Russell Wilson was ever good? I, mean, I don't think he we... was. That's oh. what I was going to bring up. So here's the thing. <laughs> let's, just, go, let's go down this, this rabbit hole for a minute. Felix said they can't let him cook anymore. Russell Wilson never cooked for an entire season. He was, he was making appetizers in the second half. And what always happened, they always went back to exactly what you and Felix described. They eventually went back to after they let him cook for a couple games and they started to struggle, and then they go back to heavy play action, running the ball, and playing defense. Maybe we as a fantasy community overrated Russell Wilson because he could run a little bit. He had a couple big plays here and there to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. He had some really good passing touchdown games. But if you really go look at his stats, they're not all that impressive. Maybe we overinflated what he actually was, and Pete Carroll knew this whole time. He's a little bit better than it. He's he's a decent or above average game manager who can run the ball. Like he's a beautiful deep shot. Like don't get me wrong, that dude, the his all right. accuracy on deep shots are amazing. But maybe we all took okay. these shots at Pete Carroll, and he really knew what was going on with I'm, Russell. I'm gonna te- I'm this up for TikTok. Okay, awesome. one 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 thing I do want to add real quick here. I think whoever you bring in as the next coach has to treat Russell Wilson with a bit of a heavier hand than they did this year. 
I've heard that he's had some like really weird, uh, kind of quite frankly absurd perks that have come along with uh, his contract that aren't necessarily parking like, spots. Promised, office, yes. His own like office. all, all of yeah. you take all of that away from him, and you make him play as one of the guys. I think you have to. Which you can't. You can't do it for Tom Brady. No, you can't. You can't do another season of this. It's already torn apart the locker room once. You can't just bring the same guy, another guy in, and do the same exact thing again this year. It just, it can't happen. You have to take all those things away from him. You can sit down and have the conversation with him and say, "Look, man, like these are things that are earned." And shit, I don't care if you treat him like he's six and tell him that you know, as you do these things, you get these things back. But you can't, you can't just walk in and, and continue to let him do all these things. It's a, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Round two. Has Austin? Has Russell Wilson's career? Up until this point, been fraudulent and fugazi. Fraudulent, man. It's such a strong word. Uh, oh my gosh. No, no, I don't think it's been fraudulent. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm also actually because uh, you heard a lot of rumors at the beginning of the season that he was injured. They said he had some sort of tricep or lat issue or something. Everyone's I don't know. Everyone's always injured. I don't know. They have a bad season. Everyone's know. always. It does feel like we're headed towards. QB turnover in 2023. Um, we mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. I don't think that they can keep him and Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. I mean, why would you? Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe they could. Russell Wilson here in Denver. He's still going to be there. Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. I don't think that he's going to be in Tampa Bay next year. Matt, you just said that Aaron Rodgers wants to play in Miami. That Tua, Tua retiring could be a domino. Derek Carr just got benched. Mac Jones is probably the guy in New England next year, at least to start, but it doesn't feel like he has the most stable footing. Washington needs a quarterback. The Jets need a quarterback. Kyler Murray's not going to be ready to start the 2023 season. The Colts are going to end up taking a quarterback somewhere. Does Matthew Stafford retire? What do the Saints do? Houston and Atlanta need better play at the position. I mean, there are holes at the quarterback position all around the league. All around the league. And I think that we could – I mean, yeah. Now, when I look at the, this quarterback class and what is needed on the, around the league, we could see four guys taking in the – Anthony Richardson's going in the first round. Somebody's going to take Anthony Richardson. Would you rather have Andy Anthony Richardson or Mike White or Andy Dalton? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the team you're talking about. I mean, if we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons, give me Anthony Richardson. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. If you're talking about Miami, give me Andy Dalton because I have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl right now with him, I think, than you do if you put Anthony Richardson on the field day one. Well, the, the so real I, question is is not Anthony Richardson or incumbent crappy starter. It's, it's Anthony Richardson or Will Levis is really the decision you make as a franchise. That's that's the decision that you're making, so just just throwing that out there. They're gonna make. They're gonna choose Will Levis. When you when you have QB one, QB one. When you have him saying that, when you have anonymous NFC coaching staffs coming out and saying that Will Levis is at least QB two or QB one in this class, he's going above. You don't see anybody saying that about Anthony Richardson. So Nobody. so this feels like a Sam Darnold quarterback class, by the way. Any anonymous scout who says Will Levis is a top two quarterback in this class should submit their skin tone to some sort of registry 
to determine what what level of melanin they have in it. And then we can start talking because I have a feeling it is borderline uh blinding white to what's what's it bet like some sort of like like weird, peach weird color to call them uh, racist. Well, um, all right, let's uh <laughs> okay. I do want to mention that I think that there is some value in the backups in the NFL. Some of them are going to find themselves starting. Mention Jimmy Garoppolo. Gardner Minshew is going to be starting this year. Maybe Jordan Love, Teddy Bridgewater, Mike White might keep his job into next season. Tyler Huntley, Jacoby Brissett. These are all guys that could be in week one in the 2023 NFL season could be could be starting. So, all right. Um, Mox, do you want to take us through housekeeping? Uh, sure. Got a couple things for y'all. It's First, the same stuff we always do, Mox, even though you, you got here late. Go ahead. Yes. Make sure that you are, if you're watching this video on YouTube, make sure that you like and subscribe to the channel. That helps us grow and helps us get a bunch of content out. Last week, we had a massive early signing day coverage from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. It was fantastic. We want to keep growing this space. That helps us do so. Make sure that you are liking this video and subscribe to the channel. Rates and reviews also help us, whether you are watching on uh, or you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. Make sure that you rate and review the show. Five stars. You can trash anyone you want. That is my free pass to rag on anybody and the advice that they give you. Also, Saturdays, 8 to 10 a.m., Better Sports. We are on there, and we are talking college football every single week. This week, we'll be on probably previewing the Big matchups for the championship weekend. We have TCU going against Michigan and Ohio State against Georgia. That we will be on for two hours talking our stuff. We also have a RSP giveaway that I will throw over to Felix since he and Matt Waldman have become fast friends. Yeah, we are going to be giving away some RSPs to some new NIL level subscribers, uh, yearly subscribers. That Just watch out for that. Campus of Canton season is coming. Startup season is coming. And so we're going to be giving away RSPs uh, to some new NIL yearly subscribers. <laughs> that means that those folks are going to get the RSP, the uh, freshman guide, the Debbie guide, and the CFF guide as a part of their membership. What I, It's $79.99 for the year. So just watch out. Which, watch out for that. I probably, I probably teased that a little too early. Um, but regardless, just be on an Austin. The boss man is over here looking, is shaking his head. Yeah, you have teased that too early. All right. Um, oh, one more thing. The Better Sports Show, we're still going to be there. We will be broadcasting this Saturday from 8 to 10 a.m. However, um, moving forward, that show may move towards the middle of the week. And we appreciate your support, folks, to tuning in to us. But just be mindful that we might be even it might be even be during this time slot here. We're not exactly sure yet, but stay tuned for that announcement. We might be moving to the middle of the week. All right, Kayshawn Butte. We've had to change the show sheet. Kayshawn Butte reportedly was not going to play in the bowl game. Some speculated that it was an academic issue, and now he is declared for the NFL draft. Austin, I, I want to. You've talked a lot about Kayshawn, so I want to throw this to you first. I've seen people immediately elevate him to the number one wide receiver in this class. He's got a, he's got some red flags from 
a down sophomore season to the campaign to the issues that he had with um, Brian Kelly this season to not being maybe not being eligible for the bowl game to going back on what he was you know originally intended from being the the from going back to school and now declaring for the draft I should we be cautious really really cautious with this player who you know a, a year 18 months ago was widely considered a top five to to seven pick in c2c startups are you cautious about him now the only thing i want to nitpick with what you just said is that he did not have a down sophomore year he actually was on pace for like 1100 yards before he got hurt um so i i i take a little bit of offense because you're not the only person that is that i've heard talk about that about you know he, he hasn't done anything in two years well yeah he was actually really really good basically picked up exactly where he left off down the stretch there in his freshman year um, and then just, you know, was injured and, and kind of coming back from that this year. And I think I think he did get better as the year went on. But I do think he doesn't want to play with Jaden Daniels, who announced, uh, coincidentally enough, uh, earlier this week that he is returning. Uh, and we saw those two beefing on the sidelines a little bit this year. Um, so I actually, I'll announce this live on air here. I'm actually out on Keishon Boutte. I think he might just be an idiot. And that is not something that I necessarily am looking for when I'm looking at some of these rookies. Um, I don't know that this was necessarily the uh, uh, I, I, this might be the correct decision in the long run to, to declare this year instead of going back. But there was no need for him to make a big show out of I'm coming back. I, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then and then to like flip flop so fast. Like it's I don't know what's going on in this guy's head at any given time. I don't want to be guessing if this dude like wants to play football or not, which is kind of the vibe that I'm starting to get from him. So I'm actually kind of out on Keishon Boutte, who I actually think is probably the most talented wide receiver in this class. But I just, no, no, I don't want, I don't my, want my bad, Austin. I, I said he had a down year. Keishon had a down year. I was wrong. Accusations. These are not accusations. This is false accusations. And furthermore. Okay. Um, Mox, that's my favorite sound in the world. Uh, Mox, <laughs> Matt, are you all out on Kayshawn Boutte? I would – I don't know. He's not going in the first round. We're talking about a player who's going to probably go on day two. He could present a value and could be worth that price. If you're playing Dynasty, if you're if you're in camp, Campus to Canton Leagues, this may present a sell opportunity for him. Maybe you could probably – you can get maybe a ransom for him. But – do you st- my question to you two is do you still have faith in this player to be an elite NFL producer? It is I a do. you gotta you gotta go, go ahead. Yeah, and no, I was gonna Fox say I was do. thinking I was I was I was letting you get to his point. Yeah, I so I do to an extent. Um Austin was polite in the way that he said it, which is just the knucklehead factor, basically. Like you you only get so many times to screw up, I think, in college or from like high school to college. So Keishon Boutte since his it really it started since his ankle injury last year. Like it has been a roller coaster. Him and Brian Kelly not acknowledging that each other exist was really weird him having like a whole bunch of rumors about his ankle injury like what it was whether it was just a straight up um like a really bad high ankle sprain or there was more to it there was speculation that it was achilles and that was shot down 
by a lot of reporters. I, you know, there was, there was really weird stuff that happened there. Uh, and then on field, he was kind of dogging it to start the season. He picked it up late when else he was more competitive. I, there was a lot of stuff that happened with Keishon Butte in the last 14 months that makes me concerned, but I don't necessarily doubt the talent that we saw his freshman year, but in the beginning of his sophomore year, like that player is still there somewhere. And so I, I think about this in terms of where am I going to get him in a freshman draft or sorry, rookie draft. And uh, there's a good chance he's going behind Jalen higher, right? Cause Jalen high is going to be a first round pick, even though I, I be vehemently yeah. disagree with it. And Josh downs. Yeah. And maybe Josh downs like the, the Jalen Hyatt is going to be a mid second round pick. Probably would be J- my guess in rookie drafts. Kayshawn Boutte between picks 203 and 207 is simply the best highest upside pick that you can make in this, in this class. Like I, I am convinced like, the player is still there and I, we saw I, flashes of it this year too. So I'd argue you could take him as early as one, or as early as one twelve, and I'd be perfectly fine. He, he seems he, this comparison is there. He seems like this year's George Pickens. Yeah, so what what pick does he have to fall past in the NFL draft before we all like it's like a oh the NFL third round an idiot too like I think what, what what's the cut no the there? second the sec if he falls into the third round third round yeah yeah I don't care I, if he goes late second late second late second rounders have a higher hit rate than early second rounders do uh mostly because those are players who have like small questions that teams over bad teams overthink and then good teams snatch them up because they're the ones that are in the later half of the draft so uh if he's in the third round though like if if Keisha goes in the third round i am probably like totally off of him like like totally like i probably won't even touch him because he'll go too early so I'm still 100% in on him, and I kind of kick back on both of you guys talking about him being a knuckleheader, saying that he's had all these issues. The only thing you can, at least in my opinion, the only thing you can dog him for is not trying on the field because I'm not answering the question about my ankle injury to the media anyways. Let them speculate about what it is. It does him no good telling people what it is. You're going to knock him for not acknowledging who his head coach is when his head coach comes out in a national press conference and says, I don't even know what your name is, but you want the 18 year old kid to be mature about that and say, yeah, I know who Brian Kelly is. No, miss me with that shit on top of the stuff going on right now. So he changed his mind and he's going back to the NFL. I would too. If I knew Jaden Daniels was coming back to be my quarterback, he couldn't do anything with Jaden Daniels. So now we're going to knock him because he couldn't produce out on the field. Some of that may be on him. I'll give you guys that he, he definitely did not look, like he was trying at times on the field. But Jaden Daniels is not a good passing quarterback. I'd argue he's really not even a good quarterback. He probably thought he was getting Garrett Nussmeyer to be the one passing the ball to him, which is why he said, I'm coming back to school. Three days after Jaden Daniels says, I'm coming back to school, he says, "Not, you know what, I'm not playing in the bowl game and I'm going to the NFL. He probably had to announce he was coming to the NFL because everybody was talking about today that he opted out of the bowl game. And if you have rumors now, it's an academics thing. Is it a knucklehead thing? Is it him doing this? He probably just wanted to come out and say, hey, no, I'm just going to the NFL. That's why I'm not playing in the bowl game. So I'm not going to knock him for any of that stuff outside of him pulling the stuff that he did earlier this season. Because I also don't care that he argued with Jaden Daniels on the sideline. Because everybody does that. I watch C.J. Stroud argue with people on the sideline Ohio State games. Does that make him a bad teammate? No, it doesn't. I don't care. So I still think he's – Mox said it. 
He's still a great player. Austin said it. He's still a great player. If he goes, if for me, if he goes in the fourth round, then yes, clearly there's okay. something. It, yes, you all right. You got we got to choose between these players. All right, Sean, Sean Tucker, Sean Tucker, or Keishon Boutte. Keishon Boutte. Austin Boutte. Everyone's shaking their head. Yeah. Uh, Mox. Um, who's yeah, another I, second yeah, round Boutte. running back or second round? Michael Mayer or Keishon Boutte? Michael Mayer is going to go in the first premium? round. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I'll take I me. Mean, Mayor's going to go in the first round. So I'm taking Mayor because you can get Boutte later. Well, well, hold on. Time out. A, even a first round tight end could find themselves going in the second round of Dynasty rookie drafts. So that's what I'm asking you. If you are presented and you have both of them, you know, around the 204 or something like that, are you taking Michael Mayer or Keishon Boutte? I'll take Keishon Boutte. Boutte goes, you'll take Boutte? Austin? Mayor, yes. Boutte, yeah. We're presuming he doesn't go past that point where we think that the NFL yeah. also thinks he's an idiot, right? He's a second. He's a second rounder in this. Okay. In this, in my um, yeah. my assumption, okay. but I'm I'm gonna take Mayor just because that's how I operate in, in terms of tight end premium. That's a philosophical thing, not a knock on Boutte. Okay. All right. Uh, and yes, I, I do note that somebody here is watching the Fast and the Furious or is having motorcycle races outside of their Some window. Asshole. So. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, let's talk. Let me set this up here for a second. We're talking about buys and sells in college, college players, but they're amongst our top 15, our projected top 15 for 2023. So we're taking out, you know, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, anybody who's declared for the draft, potential buys and sells for 2023 amongst our projected 2023 rankings. I don't know if I explained that well. But uh, Austin, why don't you kick us off? Let's all go through our quarterbacks, and then we'll running back, wide receiver. All right, Austin, start us off. Yeah, I um, I actually think uh, Chris and I have similar uh, players here. I'm buying Connor Wegman this offseason. He looked pretty good uh, in that game, or, or those couple of games for Texas A&M this year. Certainly looked better than any of their other options. I I think that he'll be. Uh, decent this year. I think he's not priced accordingly at the moment. Uh, I'm selling Cade Klubnik on the flip side of it. Um, we've talked a lot over the past couple of years about how Dabo and company have really been bailed out by generational type quarterbacks in college. The offense has really only looked functional when uh, Deshaun Watson was there, when Trevor Lawrence was there. Uh, DJ, you couldn't cut it. And I certainly don't think Cade Klubnik is on that level either. Um, I'm not expecting massive production out of him. and I'm not expecting uh high, high, high end uh, NFL prospect when all is said and done. So I, I'm buying Connor Wegman. I'm selling Kate Klubnik. I just looked at the sheet. We all have a lot of the similar names. Yeah, I mean, that's know, fine. We could have it different. Is what it is. We could have different. And Matt didn't even look at the show sheet until five minutes. I have mine on. No, I did. I have my notes on here. Uh, my buy, I've said this before, but I'll, I'll you aren't next. reiterate it. It's just, <laughs> oh, you I'm aren't sorry. even next. Go ahead, Mox. Who's next? You or Mox? I would, I would have let you roll with it for what it's worth. I would have too. Uh, I'll go, whatever. I'm selling Quinn Ewers until I actually see him put it together. I think he's going and being valued way too highly for what his potential is and not necessarily what we saw this year. I think that there may have been an injury that impacted him, but I really need to see him do something before I'm taking him as a top like three to four quarterback in drafts. I just, I, there are, there are a couple of freshmen that I would have over him at this point too. I just, I just, it's a really risky proposition 
solely based on his recruiting pedigree and it hasn't translated yet. And he's going to be a 30 year player next year. I just, I, I just don't necessarily think the risk is based baked into where you're drafting him is, is, is my contention. And then I'm, I'm also taking Connor Wegman love, love what I saw from him this year in the context of that offense. Like this was not a good team and he performed way better than expectation, especially compared to guys who've been in the system for a couple of years. It's like Jimbo system is a notoriously more difficult to learn for incoming freshmen, which is why a lot of them don't play. I thought Wegman performed pretty well. Um, I thought his game against South Carolina was was a little up and down. That's that's one that I actually got to watch intently. But he performed and made throws that I th- thought were impressive. And the knock against Jimbo has not been quarterback development in the past. That is not his issue. He's had three first-round quarterbacks. So I I like what I see from Wegman. I'm probably buying him up until, uh, you know, I, I, I think you can make a case for him in the second round of, uh, C two C startups this year, uh, at least early third, and I, I mean, I would probably buy at that price, and that's probably aggressive based on where I think he's currently going. Is it my turn to talk now? It is. Am I allowed to go? No, no, you're not. You're not. You would. You would. You would. All right. I have my notes up. I'm sorry, I don't have the show sheet up. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but I am buying Drew Alar right now. Because I still think this is the cheapest you're going to be able to get him. Uh, obviously, outside of wherever you were able to take him in a startup or freshman draft last year. I be- really believe that Penn State has a chance to be one of the better, if not arguably the best offense in the Big Ten next year. With the weapons they have there, the rumors of the wide receivers they may get in the transfer portal. I think he's got a shot to be a top 24 option. I, I really just believe in Let's this do. kid. And if he goes out there... Yeah. And he does what I, we all think he can do. What we talked about last year when he, he came, out, you're good. not going to be able to get him. He, yeah. He's going to be yeah. up there with Caleb Williams in there. So, so he's he one good. that I would go by. The the sell I, I was, is I'm echoing what Austin said. It, it's K Club. I I get the DJU finishes a top 35 scoring option at QB last year. So like if you want to factor in Cade being better than him, he's got the chance to move up ahead of that. But I think you're betting a lot on Adam Randall coming back and Antonio Williams to continue to develop and be good in that system, which I have serious questions about, as Austin just said. I just don't know that he's going to be able to produce there. We all had serious questions about what he was going to be at the college level and moving on into the NFL anyways. And he's living and dying right now on a great, don't get me wrong, it was a great game against one of the worst defenses in all of college football and UNC in that championship game. We outside of that, if you go back to it, I understand it's a handful of plays, but the handful of plays against better defenses, he did not look that good. I think he's living on that game against UNC. I would sell him now because he's being valued as like a top five quarterback. It's good logic there. Um, my buy at the quarterback position is Cameron Ward. And my logic for going through this exercise is who could you actually buy? within the top 15. And I think that the community is split enough on Cameron Ward that you could actually get him in a trade and not have to give away everything. He's a third-year player, and he's only 20 years old. He would be the youngest quarterback in the draft had he declared for the 2023 draft. Yes, he needs to develop um, throwing the ball downfield, obviously, but he, he, he has an elite talent to hang his hat on in the fact that he can he can escape pressure from anywhere. Now, you know, how much does that get you if you're not completing passes? Doesn't get you very far. 
but he has another season to develop. They just hired Western Kentucky's offensive coordinator, so he's going to be in another um, high-volume passing offense because Eric Morris just went, went to, what, North Texas? Mm-hmm. North, Te- North Texas, we need to start looking at their offense and rostering them uh, at the end of C2Cs uh, uh, next year. But I, I have believed in Cameron Ward because – Cameron Ward can do everything except for pass the ball. <laughs> I mean, that's and and I think that he can, if if he spends an you know this season he, he he's going to know the offense. The second season with the team, I think we could see him potentially develop. And I think did they get Dakari Collins? They got a they got a transfer portal wide receiver of note. So. um yeah, give me I, – I think that you can actually buy Cameron Ward. So he is my buy. My sell, and I love this player, but I think he is probably valued as a top six quarterback at the position, and you could probably still get a haul from for him, is Devin Brown. Um, I think we've talked a lot about Devin Brown on this show. Uh, one of the best arms of the freshman class outside of um, Drew Aller. Um you know, opposite hash throws 20 yards down the field, all of that kind of stuff. But just like we had the argument with CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord, I told Matt that Kyle McCord would never start at Ohio state because he was there behind CJ Stroud. Um, now Ford is the incumbent. Kyle McCord has been there for what? This will be his third season, third spring. It'll be Devin Brown's first competing for, that starting job or his second, excuse me, competing for that starting job. It's just hard to do. It's hard to overtake an incumbent. These coaches are conservative. They want someone with the experience. They want someone who's not going to uh, uh, turn the ball over. They want the person that they trust. And usually that is the player that has been with them the longest. So Devin Brown, you could probably still get a haul for him. I still love the player. Even if he's not the starter at Ohio State, I still love Devin Brown, but you could probably block him. So he is my sell. All right, Austin, you want to give us your running back buys and sells? Yeah, and I just real quick, I, I don't know if you like, I look, Takari Collins is going to NC State, and I don't see that they've picked up anybody in the portal yet this year. So if you have a guy, like, let me know. I, I just don't, I'm not seeing uh, a wide receiver going there um, to. To Washington State. All right, running back, I'm buying Trevante Citizen. I think we've all kind of forgotten about how good Trevante Citizen is because he didn't play at all this year. But reports were that he looked really, really good last offseason before yeah, he suffered that knee injury. He's got great size. He can catch the ball. And Miami didn't really bring in a lot of competition for him in that backfield this offseason. He's kind of going to be the probably the best, most talented player there. They lost Jalen Knighton. Um, Thad Franklin left too for whatever that's worth. Um, and they've shown that they want to run the ball. I mean, that's what they want to do uh, for better or for worse. Chris Paul wants to run the ball. Gaddis wants to run the ball. So I think there's plenty of touches there for Trevante Citizen. I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being a top 24 CFF option next year if he comes back fully healthy. I just think he has that type of upside. Uh, and I'm selling Blake Corum, and this is assuming that he returns. I know you said take out the guys. He hasn't declared yet, and there's some some questions. No, I, I think he's he going back. Not. No, I think he's going back to school. So I think that's fair game. Yeah. I, I don't care what everybody says to me every time I talk about this. Blake Corum does not have great athletic ability. Like every time I, I post about this, there's some, and you know who you are. If you listen to the show, you, you come in like a dickhead on my stuff and you comment this every single time. He's not fast. Whatever GPS time we have on him, he's not fast. 
Um, I, I don't see like this great NFL athlete. He's not 210. He's he's like 203, 202. He won't weigh any more than that. If he does, he can't run and, and test well at the combine. I think he'll test poorly. I just think he has a lot of issues. He has been a really good college running back. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's dozens of those guys that never make it into the NFL, though. It's the same thing with the Mo Ibrahim truthers this year. Like, you, you can be a great college running back and produce really, really well against pretty good competition. And what you do just doesn't really translate. I think Corum's one of those guys. I actually, I think Edwards still. I know, Felix, you've been big on the, the Sal Edwards stuff. I actually think his skill set translates so well to what the NFL wants. And I think down the stretch here, oh, I agree. he showed that he can run between the tackles. So, like, I, I just don't believe in Corum at all. The and first actually, time. Like, and the it, first it, time. It, if Corum goes back next year, he will not have the same season he had this year either, assuming that because Edwards was missed like half the season. He'll he'll cut into all those those touches, those carries. Like I just think Corum is one of the biggest sells out there right now. I, I hadn't been an Edwards hater. My issue was this guy's kind of like an athlete at the running back yeah. position, and I didn't know if Jim Harbaugh was going to use him that way. In my defense, Jim Harbaugh has not used him that way, how I think that he could be, you know, effectively utilized. But the matter he's shown that he could run between the tackles at least in the last game and i don't break blake corm's not coming back so it's gonna be like donovan edwards through the championship game assuming that uh michigan gets past tcu which they probably will so no i you know edwards might legit yeah, put up 250 yards on tcu like total between rush might. and receiving he, he he might do that yeah mox yeah, we didn't get to see this player do a whole lot today because he was injured on the first drive. But I'm in on Raheem Sanders. Like, I think Raheem Sanders kind of has the goods. Rocket Sanders, running back at Arkansas, size, speed guy. I just think he proved what we need to see over 1,400 yards in the SEC this year. A lot of that came early, but that was also when Arkansas was healthy. I think he could be really good, and I think that he could be in contention for RB1 in next year's class. I don't think that conversation is that crazy. And I don't think that is the uh, valuation that he has currently in our community. And so I will buy him if I am getting any sort of discount. And it, I, I was someone who's very skeptical of him coming in, into the year. And I, I've definitely uh, turned a corner on, on him. Uh, abs- absolutely. I just, I just think he's the engine that runs the circuit. So often he'll have another big year, but next year, I went back and forth between two players for my cells. Uh, I settled on Braden, Braylon Allen. Basically the same things that I've said for the last year and a half. That's Matt said for the last year and a half, like a notorious Braylon Al- Allen hater. I just, there's a lot of stuff that he needs to improve on still. And I know he's only, what, all I'm going to hear next year is he was only 18 last year. He was only 17 when he was a freshman. I'm so tired of hearing about this dude's age. Oh my goodness. He just he he's a converted RB who is big and has athleticism, but has very still like limited feel for the position. He's certainly improving, but I've just not seen what I wanted to. The other player I was gonna say here was Will Shipley, who I think is certainly a sell at the same uh same level. But I did I I settled on Braylon Allen. So I want to say this about Braylon Allen. As NFL defenses get faster and play more coverage and have uh, a, a nickel or a or an, another safety on the field, teams are starting to run the ball more. Teams are starting to run gap plays. 
you look at what Detroit is doing, you look at what San Francisco is doing, you look at what um, those aren't only two. There are teams. Uh, oh, come on. San Francisco, Miami. Detroit, Iowa, Miami. Iowa State. Sorry, like the, the I mean, Iowa State defense does exactly what you're what you're alluding to. By the way, NFL teams, NFL teams are starting to run the ball, and they're running, or they're running power, they're running at you. One thing that Braylon Allen can do, you can turn around and and give that 240 pound man the ball. It doesn't matter if he has it; he can take the pounding over a 17 game season. Um, so yeah, sell Braylon Allen. I'm just saying that I think that he might be a fit for what the NFL is moving towards, despite not being the most fluid athlete, despite not having all of the running back skills that you want. Uh, is AJ Dillon a decent comp for him? I mean, I don't think he has like the Derrick Henry he ceiling. He doesn't have the but... receiving chops that Dylan has though. Dylan wasn't a receiver coming out either. Though. No, I he mean, wasn't. He, that's that's been an NFL. Really so that's, that's why my, I'm curious. My issue with Braylon Allen has been, and still will be, He's just not that good behind the line of scrimmage. I think Colin or Colin or maybe Austin has called him a runway running backward. Like he has to have that hole. That's perfect. Like I didn't know the way to describe it. That's it. You're not going to get those holes in the NFL most of the time that Wisconsin's opening up for him at the college level. Do I think he's going to be decent at the NFL with what you're describing? Yeah, probably. Nobody's disputing the fact that he can take a beating and run and run people over. But my point is being everybody is hyping him up to be what Austin just said is he's Derrick Henry. He is not going to be Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a unicorn. That's always been my issue. I, I don't have any issue with the player. I think he's going to be perfectly fine for Wisconsin next year. I said I thought he was going to be decent this year. I'm sure okay. he will get drafted in the second round of the NFL and be good. I just want to throw that out. Miles, there, Sa- Miles Sanders is going to be a free agent. Would he be a fit in, in, in with Philadelphia? Would he be a fit with Chicago? Uh, Baltimore, the Cowboys, if they moved on from Ezekiel Elliott, even in Detroit, I think he would be a fit with all of these teams. Nobody's saying he's not going to be a fit, though. It mocks us. What'd you say? Nobody's saying he's not going to be a fit. We're talking about people comping him to Derrick Henry. He's valued as Derrick Henry. That's what he's valued as. We're not disagreeing with you. You're turning this argument against us like you love to do. We're not arguing what you're arguing. I like how it worked out. Matt's getting right all now. I'm all I'm I saying is that he's energy. an NFL breach. Breach. We're not arguing. We're not disagreeing that. We're disagreeing with what Mox is disagreeing with. Is he brought me up? My point has been all along. He's not going to be Derrick Henry, which is where everybody values him. This year, going into C two C drafts, he was coming at the back end of first round startups because everybody was like, he's going to crush it at Wisconsin this year, and he's going to be Derrick Henry in the NFL. No, he's not. He's not. I'm sorry. No one's saying he's not going to be good. Saying- Listen, we know only, you're I'm, not saying that. Everybody okay. else is. Go look many at my people, mentions. Many people are many, saying. Many are saying this. Many, many are, are saying this. this. I messed my many camera. When I got yelled at because I didn't have him in the top 10 of my running backs, and everybody's like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. He's going to be Derrick Henry. No, he's not. No, he's not. I'm sorry. He's not. Matt needs a hug. I do. It's I would just week. like to point out, I would just like to point out that I think that he is an NFL fit giving – Given what the NFL is moving towards, think about would a guy you dra- like Dan. Would you draft him in the first round of rookie drafts? Because that's where you're gonna have to take him, or, or freshman drafts. And I'm getting them all confused. That's where in you're gonna have to fr- take him. Wait, hold on. Fre- he's not a draft. freshman, so rookie he's draft. not rookie draft in a whatever in a rookie draft in a dynasty startups, startups, draft. Whatever, whatever. If he right. got second round draft capital, yeah, no, yeah, well, yes, obviously. So, so 
a startup right now, are you taking him or Raheem Sanders? I'm taking Raheem Sanders. You take him Raheem or Will Sanders Shipley? in my rankings. Him or who? Will Shipley. Uh, that's a close one. That is a closer one. Let me Donovan see. Donovan Edwards. I see. Google's his rankings. Oh yeah, I was gonna I say Donovan taken. Edwards. Like, like these are just guys who, like, Braylon Allen is, is valued above all of these yeah. dudes. That is the purpose of this conversation, which is a sell. Set, I will sell. I will take Braylon Allen Cedric, above Will Shipley. Braylon Allen or Cedric Baxter. I'd Ooh. rather have Braylon Allen. Yeah, Felix does not like Cedric Baxter. I do not like Cedric. If Baxter. you missed that conversation, I, I, I mean, I'm fine. I just, I'd rather have the the established player. I'd rather have the established player. Um, I, I'm not a, I'm not as big a fan. I didn't know that you all were big fans of Cedric Baxter uh, when I did that. So, um, but uh, Bray, you said Braylon Allen, or I would have, I have Braylon Allen as my number seven overall running back. I have him above. Quinchon Judkins. I have him above Devin Neal. I have him above Will Shipley and Branson Robinson. Branson Robinson's the one who might catch no, none of uh, none of that style. is none of that is a hot take though. Like that's pretty low. It, it, if you're it, if, assuming you're excluding twenty, I'm not. I'm, this is my current rankings. I, I oh. this is my current rankings. He's number seven in my current rankings. But I have him. Other players who will be there uh, after. After the 2022 guys are gone, Evan Neal, Will Shipley, Branson Robinson, Blake Quorum, Donovan Edwards, Jamarian Miller, Omarion Hampton, I have him above those guys. Cartavius Norton, I have him above those guys. Now we haven't considered the uh, the the 2023 freshmen, and I'm not sure that there is top running back going to be Justice Haynes. No, he'll be top ten running back for me. I don't know that he will overtake Braylon Allen. I, listen, I just wanted to mention the point that I think Braylon Allen, regardless of his flaws in his game, which a lot of players have flaws, that he's an NFL fit. That's it. That's I just I just wanted to say that. I'm not sure why I'm getting chastised over here. But a C2C um, and Debbie sell. All right. Yes, I, I agree with that. So I was torn between three players. I'll do myself first at running back. And Moxley mentioned one of them, Braylon Allen. He also mentioned Will Shipley, who I was going to go with. Mine was Donovan Edwards, and I, I wrote on our show sheet that uh, I've been a little bit simpatico here with Austin. I do think Blake Corum is coming back as well, and I think that's going to limit Donovan Edwards. Right now, everybody expects him to be the lead running back for Michigan next year and absolutely crush it. I agree with some of the things that Felix mentioned as well. I don't necessarily think they use him properly. I do think that he'll score points for you next year because Michigan just has a really good offensive line and they don't play anybody most of the season. So he's likely going to put up points for you. But if he doesn't continue to be developed, I do question what he's going to be at the NFL level. I do think he's a very interesting player. He was a guy that I was really high on coming out, but I'm not quite as high on him as I think some people are coming into the season, expecting him to come in and be or better than what Blake Corum was last year, especially if Blake Corum comes back, which I do think happens. My buy, as already mentioned, I'm with Austin, is Trevante Citizen. Like, nobody's talking about him right now. We were extremely high on him last year. I believe he was in Tier 1 for us in the freshman guide. He was our number 5 running back. Austin mentioned there's no real threats on the roster right now. Nobody. They brought in two running backs, Mark Fletcher, who's not going to challenge him. And I don't even remember the other guy. He's like a three-star. He's not going to challenge Trevante Mark Citizen Mark Fletcher either. is terrible. On top of that. Tough name. They brought in three four-star offensive linemen. Mario Cristobal is known not only for developing offensive linemen, but as Austin mentioned, runs the ball a ton, as does Gaddis. 
I actually went a little step further. Austin said he thinks he'll be top 20. I have him think I think he's going to be a top 10 running back for fantasy next year because most Knighton, who is the other one? Who am I forgetting? Parrish was that for a decent amount of the season for Miami, getting the, the carries that he got and the touchdowns. Trevante Citizen is better than anybody that was in Miami last year, and I think it could actually help out Felix's guy, Tyler Van Dyke, if he doesn't transfer in establishing the running games, I think he can be a decent receiver as well. I'm all in. I think Citizen is going to be a guy that has just a massive breakout next year. Who is your sell again? Was it Edwards or Corum? Edwards, Edwards. No, Edwards, because hmm. I think Corum is coming back. And so I think oh, you can okay. sell now high on him being considered Michigan starting running back. And I still think they're going to split the ball. I, I think Edwards is yeah. much better than Corum, but I still think they're going to split the ball in the hardball offense. You'll be able to get more for Edwards now. I don't know if it matters if he gets the receptions that he's that he should get. But I, I mean, I understand the logic B- there. Bingo. You guys both mentioned that 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 they're not using him properly there. I don't care because I actually think they're showing the things that we didn't know that he could do. Right, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah, I actually true. love how they're like, I don't care if he doesn't catch a single pass next year. Cause I know, <laughs> I know he can do that. He had, but, he had 10 in one game as a freshman. Like we, yeah. like they yeah. already tried that out. With him, right? so, For those who didn't watch uh, uh, Donovan Edwards at West Bloomfield high school coming out of right there, you know, 30 minutes away from Michigan's campus. There are clips of him lining up at wide receiver in that green and white and beating, corners on posts like he is a he can legitimately play wide and he's built he's taller too he's a tall he's a six foot two six foot one running back he can legitimately play wide receiver very good receiver even though he hadn't been used that way at michigan i'm not worried about him in that aspect i mean you can go back to our running back summit where i pumped him up because alan true compared him to cmc and felix fought back against me i was the one defending the michigan player there Oh, we'll go find it, my friend. I remember. It's a, it's, it's in, in the bag It's of in the death folder. Watch out. It's in Watch the death out. folder. Yeah. Trust me. Uh-oh. On top of that, though, it's just more of the other. I don't know what we're also going to see from J.J. McCarthy next year, which I do think we could see a step up in him running the ball and possibly passing as well. Like I just think there's a lot of questions about that Michigan offense I have that I think now is the perfect time to sell high on what Donovan Edwards is. Don't have any questions about him as a player. I think he's very good. This has been a good show. Um, my my buy is Nick Singleton. My buy is Nick Singleton at the running back position because I think people still consider Quinshawn Judkins to be a better back. I don't see it that way at all. Uh, I When the 2022 guys leave, Nick Singleton will be my number one running back. He's, he entered his freshman year before he played an NFL snap as like my number four running back overall. I didn't see anything to change my opinion on that. I think that he's one of the most violent runners in college football. He's one of the most athletic runners in college football. Um, and he's just going to get better as he continues to develop in that Chuck Losey, Dwight Galt uh, conditioning program. So uh, Nick Sing- is, is, am I alone? Is Nick Singleton anybody else's number one going to be anybody else's number one running back? Somebody else have someone ahead of him. Regardless, I think a the value there is, is that some folks still have Quinshawn Judkins as the number one back in that 2025 class. I, I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't see, you know, uh, Nick Singleton being brought down by cornerbacks and in, in, in safeties. He's a little too fast, a little too violent for that. So, uh, and I, I do see that. You're number two back. Mm-hmm. Fine, fine, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think he's just more, I like, I mean, I Ramondre Stevenson, like I like these guys who thump 
linebackers off of their shoulders. And I see that in Nick Singleton, which is why I would have him ahead of, of Travion. So um, my sell is Blake Corum for all the reasons that, you know, everybody has said about him coming back. If he comes back this year to me, I don't, regardless of the injury, I think it's because the NFL said you're a day three player at best. And I don't know that he's going to improve on the, he's small. He's not necessarily athletic. He, I mean, Michigan has had this before. If you remember Mike Hart, who's his, uh, his his running backs coach there at Michigan was the same kind of player, good college quarter, a good college running back, but not an NFL player. Uh, and I got to stop yelling or get a new microphone. I know. Please don't give us a review on that point. All right, uh, Austin, um, give us your wide receiver buys and sells. Yeah, real quick, I'm going to sell Luther Burden. I I'm starting to wonder what this guy's motivation is. It's not because of his playing. He's 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 staying places he shouldn't stay because Missouri's giving him money, and that's all well and good. But at some point, you have to also think about the exponentially more amount of money that you could get if you went and actually played football somewhere. Um, so I'm starting to worry about him in Missouri a little bit. Stayed there this year for a chip deal, um, so I mean, good for him, um, but but maybe not so great for three years from now. I'm buying Antonio Williams. I think people still are completely underselling what Antonio Williams did this year. Guys at Clemson this year. He led them in every single freaking receiving category as a true freshman. He wasn't an early enrollee. He had almost 20 catches more than the next guy on the roster who was a tight end. In terms of the wide receiver room, he did have 20 catches more than the next closest guy. 560 yards, four touchdowns. That guy was really impressive. He's legitimately probably a sub 4-4 guy or close to it. He legitimately can run routes. This is the kind of guy that the NFL really, really likes right now. He's like six foot. He needs to gain, like, if he could gain, like, five to seven more pounds, it would be, he'd be, like, 190. Like, that's, like, the perfect size. Like, I just think this guy is a total smash. Like, they they couldn't make anybody look good this year, and Antonio Williams somehow showed up there with, with no preseason, no whatever, and just made them all look like crap. Like, forced three of them to transfer. The dude is just really freaking good. I He, he might have a, a thousand yards next year, and they might not pass for more than 3,000 total. Like, this is the kind of guy that he is. <laughs> Yeah. And he's not valued that way. Give it to Antonio Williams. I, I really like that call. Uh, I'll give you my buy first. And I, my buy is like a high-end guy who I just... Is there a reason that he's not wide receiver two? And that is a Mecca Ibuka. Uh He had over a thousand yards in his Ohio State offense this year. I mean... Just like he's an incredible player and he he's a different player than Marvin Harrison Jr. Absolutely. He he's actually a little bit more dynamic. Like they used him uh, on end around jet sweeps more. I mean, he was involved in the rushing game to an extent that I thought was pretty cut, kind of impressive. But he's a really good rider secret in his own right. And I think he's getting overshadowed by Marvin Harrison Jr. Probably within our space. And he he's someone that I think should absolutely be ranked above my cell, who is Xavier Worthy, who had a terrible season this year. I I didn't think that you could make a case that he was an alpha or like a, a wide receiver one type player anyway lat, coming into last season. This is dude who's like 165. And like, I don't want to harp on the, the weight factor too much, but he's fast. He's small. And he's like a complimentary wide receiver in an NFL offense. That's who he is. And he, his hands were terrible this year. He couldn't prove that he, uh, like he, he couldn't prove to be a reliable option as a wide receiver on this offense. I just, 
I just don't. I think he's being incredibly overvalued based on what he did his freshman year. And I would, so I would wear either have a Mecca Buka. Someone offered me worthy for a Buka. They need to add a substantial piece to it. Yeah, my, I'll, I'll do myself first because I'm going to echo what Moxley said. It's Savior worthy. He's not what he's pumped up to be in this space, and I, I get it. Incredible freshman season. I think he's getting buoyed up a lot by that. Uh, maybe it was Hudson Carr being able to get him the ball. Clearly, Quinn Ubers had his struggles this year. We can't deny that. But Felix, I know, has talked about that on, on CFT. We've talked about it a little bit on Debbie Debate. There were some misses that were not calling Quinn Ewers that were 100% on Xavier Worthy, where it was the drops. He's considered this deep threat, as Moxley just mentioned, yet he struggled tracking the ball deep at times. He struggled to adjust to the ball that were easily catchable that we've seen lesser wide receivers make. That's on Worthy. That is not on Quinn Ewers. Yet he's valued, as Moxley mentioned, I, I haven't looked at our site, but I imagine he's still valued as a top five wide receiver on our site once those guys get removed. You look at other places, he's still getting drafted in the first round of C2C drafts. He's probably going to produce this year at Texas if Quinn Ewers is able to turn it around because I do believe in Sark and what that offense can do. But I have serious questions about what he's going to end up doing at the NFL, especially Kenkins in the tracking figured out. It's going to be a massive part of his game. Go ahead. And, and he's uh, – Worthy has done this stuff where he's fallen down, where he's tracking the ball, and that's just because of the balance when your head is backwards and you're looking for the ball. He's had – I mean, he's a great athlete, but he has had trouble – Staying on his feet. I, I would put the Alabama game and the Oklahoma State game partially on Xavier Worthy because of of, of ball tracking issues in those games, specifically the, the Oklahoma uh, State game. There's a like a corner route that he runs um, uh, towards one of the end zones, and the ball is there, and he like he falls down. Now, I know that there were mocks. You're the weatherman. There, there was like, you know, terrible wins that day but i saw enough of it that it led me to be concerned and quite frankly it's the same issues that i saw with with uh lavisca chanel totally different player but ball tracking issues with lavisca chanel also so go ahead uh matt and matt is on mute uh while he's doing that well i'll i'll say just like a ball tracking issue like you want the ball to land in a certain place when you're tracking like the deep ball. And when I see, you know, Randy Moss is actually really good at this, but people aren't when they're looking straight, straight, this is a a visual meeting, but when they're looking straight back and they haven't moved their body to one side or the other so that they can catch the ball and see the ball go over uh, their shoulder into their hands. It's an issue. I'm, I, I probably need to be better about describing uh, what it is that I'm seeing, but I've seen that from Xavier Worthy. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so I, that's why I would sell him. My buy is actually going opposite here of Austin, and it would be Matthew Golden and Luther Burden. I, I would try and go buy both of them. I get the concerns about Luther Burden and him staying at Missouri. Definitely get concerns about Brady Cook still being his quarterback, who's not necessarily good at anything. But that being said, I believe he broke almost all of the year one zero things in our tracker. Is that correct? Which we talk about if you're able to do all those, you're pretty damn good. It's year one. I'm not going to judge him yet on that. I still believe in the talent. He was our consensus wide receiver. Well, I should, sorry. He was like five of six of our wide receiver ones, except for one person. And I felt like 
it was well-deserved for him to be there. If people are going to devalue him because they're worried about him, I would buy him right now because I think there's a chance for him to bounce back and have an even better second season, being there for a year and possibly getting to work more with Brady Cook. And then Matthew Golden. I am a little bit worried about uh, Donovan Smith coming over um, and being the quarterback of that Houston offense, but we've seen that they really love to force it into one guy, and I think Matthew Golden could just jetpack right up at next year. I think he's in for, for a massive second season. So I'd go by both those guys. Who did you just go with? Luther Burden and Matthew Golden. Bias. You know what? You know what? <laughs> you know what, Matthew? <laughs> my, <laughs> my Listen, all right. Pull back the curve. I put in my buys and sells early this afternoon. And I had Matthew Golden as one of my uh, one of my buys, and Matthew just comes in and steals my thunder. Um, Matthew I Golden only said I'm buying. It. You give all the analysis. Whatever. You, I, he's going to be Dana Holgerson's number one wide receiver. I think that he has an NFL skill set, um, a good separator, and he's been very productive this year as a freshman, they're not going to have tank Dell anymore. I do have questions about who their quarterback is going to be. Regardless, he, the, the, the passing offense should revolve around this second year dynamic player. And that team is moving to the big 12. So we can see uh, how it is that they fare uh, should be good for CFF is an NFL play. He's an NFL player uh, and might not be valued, especially if you don't listen to our content. If you are, if you're playing in C2Cs and, People aren't listening to our content. They may not be as high on Matthew on Matthew Golden. Uh, so he is my buy. And then Adam Randall, who was one of the best size-speed combinations in the 2022 wide receiver class, then suffered an ACL injury in the spring after we were hearing great things about him. Um, came back, you know, played somewhat. But he is an unknown, and you may actually be able to get – they're at Clemson, I should say that, wide receiver at Clemson. Hopefully people know who Adam Randall is. But he's an unknown in that six foot three, 220-pound frame, and you may be able to get a really good return because the unknown is still there. The potential is still there for Adam Randall. You know, he, he should go into – is Bo, Bo Collins is, is, is could declare for the NFL draft? He's still going to be there. He's going to go back to back to school. Um, oh no, Bo Collins is uh, second year or third player this year. Second year player, second. So he's not draft eligible. Regardless, Adam Randall should be competing for playing time there. But you could potentially get uh, a lot for him if you decided to trade him. I still like him. I would hold him. But considering what you paid for him. Could be a sell uh, window for Adam Randall before we find out if he's good or not. So Adam Randall is my sell. All right. Let's get into parting shots. Moxley, you ready to start us off today? I am, and I will keep mine short and sweet because I have a very succinct message. 2023 has been the year of the newcomer. It's also been the year of new beginnings and second chances. Jim Mora. Mike Elko, Sonny Dykes. They've all massively turned their programs around, sometimes on second chances, sometimes on new opportunities. It has been the year of change and upside. Let this be a note to programs who are mired in mediocrity. Change can be scary, but it can also be good. Refreshingly good 
in the case of Duke, where they went nine and four on a first time head coach or TCU, who went 12 and one with a Sonny Dykes, who honestly deserves this shot. It's a marker that changing up your routine or any mediocrity in your life can be excellent. Take a page from the programs who made that leap. Be adventurous. Approach change in the face of the stagnant and approach 2023 with that same attitude. So I'm going to do mine a little bit different here because I'll be honest, I forgot to do this. Don't start a company unless it's an obsession and something you love. If you have an extra strategy, it's not an obsession. That's Mark Cuban. Felix asks us to do a wrap-up of the 2022 season. Instead of talking about the college football season, which I know Felix, Austin, and Chris are going to talk about, I want to talk about how it has not necessarily been the kindest year on or off the field, and many tend to focus on the negative and all the bad things. I'm going to highlight some of the positives, such as NIL, which has been allowing kids to get paid for their performances. While it's still not the perfect system, it is working for some of these players and allowing them to get compensated for their hard work on and off the field. With that being said, I want to highlight you guys. Colin Decker and Trevor Etienne, He's not the guy who typically takes victory laps, but he absolutely nailed this one. Congratulations to you. Austin, Antonio Williams may not only end up being the best wide receiver in this class, he is likely the best wide receiver currently on Clemson's roster. Nobody hears about this guy if it is not for you. Chris Moxley, all offseason, was highlighting James Madison and Kyle Van Trees. As stand, that is a massive standout for me on what you talked about. You constantly talked about how good they were, and if you had listened to Chris, you likely won yourself a college championship this year. Felix, while we are still reeling from you constantly promoting Zach Wilson and how badly he has now failed, you definitely redeemed yourself with Ramondre Stevenson, Anthony Richardson, and Michael Penix, at least for the moment. I wanted to highlight you guys because many of you don't see the hard work that is put on behind the scenes by these three gentlemen uh, to make this podcast and company as successful as it is. But lastly, I want to thank all of you who are listening and supporting us. Why we would still likely do this if nobody was listening to us, you guys have truly helped us build this and make it feel like a family and a community worth being around. And for someone who has had a tough 2022, it means more to me than I can explain. Thank you guys and have yourselves a happy new year. I say a lot of things into a microphone. Quite frankly, I'm too lazy and too busy to calculate the exact amount of time I spent podcasting or producing video content throughout this calendar year, but it is well into the hundreds of hours. I do knew that for sure. So when I think back to all the things I predicted and prognosticated for 2022, it should say a lot that there's one in particular that stands out in my mind in a negative way. I'd like to address it here tonight so that I can start 2023 with a clean slate. All right. <clears throat> all right. I was wrong about Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Although I don't think I have the direct quote in front of me. And again, I'm too lazy and or busy to go check. I know the gist of my comment comment was that Michigan would ultimately regret making the college football playoff last season with a weak squad. My reasoning was as follows. Number one, the QB situation was unsettled and didn't look to be settled in the near future. Number two, Harbaugh had not recruited well, at least compared to what is expected for a school like Michigan. And three, Many of the most important pieces on that team were headed to the NFL and would be very difficult to replace. And it did not matter a bit in 2022. Contrary to Caleb McNamara's beliefs, Harbaugh made the correct decision by switching to J.J. McCarthy early this season. While he's not perfect, 
The upside McCarthy offers with his arm and his legs is an obvious upgrade and adds a tiny amount of unpredictability to one of the most vanilla offenses in college football. Harbaugh really hasn't recruited great from a ranking standpoint. This is true, but he has targeted players that fit into what they want to do at Michigan and what they want to do is assemble a squad to beat Ohio State. And that makes total sense. Winning the Big Ten probably guarantees a spot in the playoff most years uh, and certainly does moving forward. And Ohio State figures to be the team standing in their way most often. While Ohio State has garnered a reputation as a finesse team, Michigan plays an old-fashioned brand of football that is perfectly designed to beat those Buckeyes. These haven't been fluke victories. Michigan has been, at worst, Ohio State's equal in both of those matchups. Harbaugh deserves a lot of credit for that. And yes, Michigan did lose a lot to the NFL last year, but the replacements have been stellar. Blake Corum was one of the best backs in the country this year, and Donovan Edwards has been great in rotation behind him. First-round edges Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo had 14 and 11 sacks respectively last season, but no player had more than two and a half behind them. This year, no player had more than seven sacks, but 11 different players registered two or more. And a lot of that can probably be credited to Harbaugh's steady leadership. There's rumors that the Broncos, amongst others, could be interested in Harbaugh again this offseason. But what he's built at Michigan is awfully similar to what he once built at Stanford, a school with no other worldly talent, a scheme that makes the team greater than the sum of its parts, and the steady floor to keep things humming even on an off day. Harbaugh is at Michigan as long as he likes, and that should make Michigan fans very, very happy. We're not laughing with you. We're laughing at you. That is perhaps the best way to describe how the country reacted to Dan Campbell and his testosterone-enthused, comedically aggressive initial press conference when he was hired as the head coach of the historically defunct Detroit Lions franchise. But after a 1-6 start, the Lions admittedly gained some momentum winning six of their next seven. Yet despite that momentum and their best efforts, the Lions find themselves in a very familiar place, on the outside looking in. If you're a longtime fan of the team, it feels like seasons past. Hope deferred, making the heart sick. But there are reasons to be optimistic. There's a talented and young offensive line that embodies the mentality of its coach. There's a young receiver who must be accounted for by defensive coordinators and secondaries. There's a rookie defensive end who has the makings of a foundational player. And finally, the team has the Rams draft pick, which currently sits at number seven overall. I'm not and never have been sold on Dan Campbell as a head coach, but it may not matter. After years of futility, this Lions team just might end up having too many good pieces to fail. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon. Happy New Year from all of us at Campus to Canton. Good night and good luck.